Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters. Learning practical knowledge that leads to what? That leads to more influence and confidence so that you can create products that customers love. And this was an extra fun discussion to have because it gave me an opportunity to share some important insights from face-to-face interviews I've done. But I haven't really talked about them much or even at all on this podcast. It's also a special interview as a leadership coach and friend, Russell Verhey, interviewed me for his podcast, Advanced Leadership Conversations, Advance as in Moving Forward. Please check that out using your favorite podcast app by searching for Advanced Leadership Conversations. And in the discussion, you'll hear us talk about how this podcast started. It's a great story if you haven't heard it before. Why Bob Tiffin of Tiffin Motorhomes focuses on customer service. How a software company, Flipper, learned to build great teams. The most unusual McDonald's I have visited that puts customers, get this, customers first. And tips for talking with anyone, along with tips for finding motivation. And finally, tips for entrepreneurs with a product idea and what they need to do first. And remember, we always take the notes for you. You'll find the show notes, a summary of all the details of this great discussion at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 262. I hope you go there and check it out. Now, let's get to the discussion. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Leadership Conversations podcast. Today, we have a great privilege of being able to spend time with Chad McAllister. Chad is a friend, but also an inspirational leader that I've just watched and observed and truly been inspired from some of his work, which has included now over 250 podcast interviews with innovators all over the world. And so uh, we're going to have the opportunity to learn more about that podcast. Chad also himself is a product innovator. He's got his PhD in innovation and he leads workshops and trainings, truly helping product managers get their products off the ground and successfully launch. So we're going to learn and hear more about that from Chad. So Chad, welcome to Leadership Conversations. Russell, it's very kind of you to invite me. I'm glad to be speaking with you and I hope your audience enjoys our discussion as well. Oh, thank you. Well, as we get started, Chad, I'm just curious, how did you even know that you wanted to get into product innovations in the first place? Yeah. So at the time, there wasn't a path towards anything called product management, which is kind of the the big bucket area. I was an electrical engineering student, got into electrical engineering, went to a company that turned into a software company. And along the way, I was the person often working with our customers, understanding what they needed done, and then leading the team to get that done for them to build a new product for them. And I came actually across an organization called the Product Development and Management Association. Mm. And they had this framework for what is product development and management tools and concepts and practices. And that was really eye-opening. I went, oh, I have been doing all that work for the last 10 years. I just didn't know what to call it. And I'm just wired that way, right? It's great fun for me to develop something new and bring value to others. You bet. So to be able to invest in that for yourself – learn the practices, just even the technology and the systems behind that. And then now you've spent a good part of your career helping others be able to do the same with their best ideas and practices. Mm -hmm. You have lived that out probably through a number of products, but one of which just is your podcast. And so just 
when I think of 250 conversations with product innovators who are truly having reach all over the world, that sounds absolutely fascinating. So just curious, how did you even get the idea of wanting to start a podcast focused on product innovation? Yeah, I'd love to go to the details of that because I actually haven't talked about the details of that with anyone before. So that might be fun. But the big picture, which I have shared is I was on this RV trip. So my family, that's my wife and two kids, we felt like we needed to go explore the US together. And since all my work is primarily on the internet, and we were homeschooling our kids at the time, we Mm. could do that. So we jumped in a motorhome, and we left for one year and two weeks traveling around the US. It It was great. And at this time, I had been training individual product managers for several years and helping them just kind of skill up, get better. But I was losing touch a little bit, I felt like, of what leaders were thinking about when it came to innovation and product management. Mm. And so along the way, one of the purposes of this trip, in addition to having great family experiences, was wanting to encounter people leading innovation, people leading companies, people having product management experience, and just having great conversations with them. And some of them I sought out, and others I was praying all the time that I would run into people just to have interesting conversations. Mm. And it was amazing some of the interesting conversations that were had. That definitely answers a prayer. And then I got back from this year and two weeks on the road, and I missed that, frankly, right? I got to talk to people that was just wonderful. I was kind of like a kid in a candy shop, right, and Mm. having these great talks. And I missed it. And I thought about how could I carry that on in a way that was manageable from a time perspective as well. And started thinking about the podcast, and six months later, that came to be. And the interesting kind of side note on that is the thought of doing a podcast where my voice is recorded was super nervous to me. Oh, man. I was a kid that was in speech therapy through fifth grade, talked late. I still mispronounce a lot of words and didn't have a lot of confidence in my voice itself. But I overcame Mm. that. Largely by two things. I wanted to have interesting discussions, and this is a community I very much care about. I want to help product managers get better, and if mm-hmm. I could share these conversations, I knew that would help. So that, that was the energy and motivation mm-hmm. to make it happen. Yeah, so that's fascinating. Just there's a lot of themes that I pick up here. When I think about creatives, they're inspiring to be around. They tell stories, they come up with great ideas, but oftentimes with creatives, there's a level of insecurity that is tied to that. And you might call that a timidity where they have this great idea, but being able to get out of the closet or out of the house or out into the market, it it requires a level of courage. It's one thing to be able to say, hey, I want to start a podcast, but Hey, wait a second. I was just in speech therapy, just, you know, (laughs) and that little kid inside of you still is reminding you, like, how am I going to overcome that? So just tapping into that, how did you even have this big idea and a desire to connect with people and certainly a passion for those people in the industry? But how did you even overcome perhaps even some of those insecurities to step out and go public with your voice, if you will? What helped you get there? Yeah. And when you said the little kid inside of you, that's a good way to think (laughs) about it, right? Because I think we all still bring that little kid with us throughout our lives. And we saw those things that we're trying to overcome. I was at this point somewhat comfortable talking with people because I had many experiences doing that. And the quick key there for me has always been just curiosity. I love finding out people's story and, and what they care about. And approaching anyone with curiosity usually makes it easy to strike up a conversation. But the idea of it being recorded for like anyone, anytime to go back to and listen to, 
that was just frightening. Again, the motivation was in place because I missed these conversations. I wanted to do more of that. And I wanted to help my community, product managers. And then I took deliberate steps. So I took training with, I'm going to draw a blank on his name now. So he has really popular podcast for startup founders called Mixergy, Andrew mm-hmm. Warner. So super popular podcast. And he did this training at once upon a time to help people learn how to do interviews. And I was in his first class for that and got to work with him directly. And that gave me some confidence to move in this direction. That was good. Then I did some other training, Alex Bloomberg. I'm probably getting his name wrong. So he created Gimlet. He came from NPR radio doing very popular podcasts and has the startup podcast. And he had a training program too on doing interviews, right? So I learned from some people that were really good at this Hmm. and actually did a little voice coaching. And all these things were really just help confidence, right? That was it, right? So I said, okay, I I I can move in. Capture this, though, just in light of perhaps just the big idea of a podcast, which now has gone to over 250 interviews that started with potentially, you know, some fears and insecurities that I had to be overcome. And I'm almost envisioning just like almost the muscle group of training, if you will, where there was just potentially some weak muscles. And immediately you just went into three different stories of training that you went through to strengthen those muscles and therefore by the work and the discipline around the areas of training, you needed to accompany and complement your inspiration, Mm -hmm. if you will, big idea that it gave you the strength and the confidence to be able to step forward into this. And I just really think that potentially connects with some of our listeners that have a big idea and they're just wondering, Hey, what's the first step in this? And what you're telling us through your story is it was a series of trainings that really helped you take the next few steps. Yeah. And all of those were really valuable and they gave me concrete actions to take. But there's mm. also this overriding theme from all of them, right? And these are really well-known people in their spaces, right? You know, Andrew and Alex and, and the voice coach from New York City was wonderful too. But in each case, there was also this notion that I was soaking in, like, get out of your own way. You're here to help other people get on with helping other people. And Mm. if I occasionally pronounce a word wrong or stumble through my words, it doesn't really matter because other people are going to find value in Mm. in what we're talking about. So that was the bigger picture. Yeah, the bigger picture of of if you're stuck in your head, maybe getting out of your head, it's just remembering it's not about you. (laughs) It's about you're providing a service to benefit others through this podcast and not to get too hung up on yourself and perhaps the motivation is by serving others. Mm-hmm. So what a wonderful story. So take us to the next step. What happened after the trainings? Well, then the podcast started, right? So I did the first episode and contacted a few people to be on the podcast. Andrew Warner was kind of be one of those guests. Mm-hmm. And it just snowballed from there. The good thing is when you're providing value. So thankfully, this is one of the more popular podcasts for my group, right? My tribe, the uh, product managers. It snowballs itself, right? It gains momentum and more people want to be a part of it and it's easier to find guests and all that happens. But none of it would have come about without some of those really interesting discussions on that road trip and Hmm. talking to fascinating people. Tell me about maybe what was one of those first conversations on the road trip that perhaps sparked the idea of that? Yeah, I would love to. And there's so many good ones. We'll see what we have time to get to. So the very first one was Bob Tiffin. So this was a RV road trip. We were in a Winnebago motorhome. And when you kind of look at the 
top manufacturers in the U.S., there's kind of three that typically get grouped together as the top tiers, and that's Winnebago, Tiffin, and Newmar. And I had looked at all three. We found this great deal on this used Winnebago that fit our family really well, had bunk beds, and it was wonderful. But the other one is Tiffin Motorhomes, a super good reputation, and Bob Tiffin is at the time the CEO of family business. And he had actually come back to be the CEO again after everything kind of fell apart in 2008 and the industry declined. So I'm at Tiffin headquarters in Alabama. In the parking lot, there's Tiffin motorhomes everywhere because they do a factory tour, which we also did. And so they're everywhere. We're the one Winnebago in this parking lot. We definitely stand (laughs) out, right? And at one point run into a guy that says, hey, I can help you replace that if you want, right? But that was kind of fun. And Bob gave an hour of time for me to sit down and just talk about his business. Mm. And the most fascinating thing about that, Bob is extremely customer-centric. And Mm. he spends a bulk of his day talking to customers directly. And we're talking, and every couple minutes, his phone buzzes. And mm-hmm. as we're just talking about how he approaches business and, and what innovation looked like and some of the things that Tiffin did before others did, and that was all interesting. But what stood out to me in that time was how many times his phone was buzzing. Mm-hmm. And we got done with the discussion, and at the end he said, this has been good, but all those times the phone was buzzing, I need to get back to that because that's my customer's calling. And I just thought that was such a great focus, right? His focus was external on how can I better serve my customers? I got a lot of people in this organization that can build motorhomes. I'm here to serve my customers. Yeah. So he truly saw his primary role. I mean, is certainly in a leadership standpoint, but it was coming alongside what could he do to serve the customer, add value to the customer. Yep. Laser focused on that. That was really good. There's another one I'd love to tell you about. So we went to Sevierville for a conference as a family, and that's in Tennessee. And it's near the Great Smoky Mountains. And after that, we went to this tiny little town just to enjoy some camping together. We're out in the RV. And it was called Townsend. So Townsend, which you kind of feel like is at the end of things. <laughs> the <And> it, <laughs> yeah. And it's this tiny town that basically has one intersection. There's a river that goes through there. So there's a couple places you can get tubes to go on the river. And there's a subway. And there's a laundry mat, and that's kind of the town, right? There's not much there. Purely the end of the town. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And a few miles away is one of the entrances to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And mm. it's a beautiful area. And it was time to do laundry. So there's the one laundry mat within any place. So I go there to do laundry. That was my task as part of the RV trip, right? I was the, the laundry guy. And I see this guy that is there doing a few things. And then he sees this older woman come and open up her trunk and pull out a big container of laundry, big basket of laundry. And he runs to the door and opens the door for her and welcomes her in. And it's clear that he's in some capacity responsible for this laundry mat, right? And so as I'm doing laundry, I get his attention and just ask about that, right? So what do you do about this laundry mat? He says, oh, I'm, I'm the owner. No, I would love to just talk with you. I've been talking to people in big companies and small companies and told them a little bit about what I was doing on this trip. And so I'm just wanting to get connected to people that are responsible for businesses and responsible for products and services. And could I just talk to you about your perspective about the laundromat? And he's like, uh, okay. And so we schedule a time, and three days later, I bring my little recorder, and we sit out in front of the store in the chairs and talk. 
And we have a completely different discussion than I'm expecting. This guy is John Allen Wheeler, and we have not talked since. It might be Weller, John Allen Weller, I think. And he grew up in Townsend, and this is where his family still is. And he comes back for three weeks out of the year to see family. And he bought this little laundry mat, and it's part of a strip mall that I think was empty at this point, except for just the laundry mat, because he doesn't want to see the town suffering. And so he buys this to just kind of help out the town, and he comes back to see family and to help the laundry mat, right, through out of the year. His real business is buying software companies that are in trouble, building them up again to be successful, and then selling them off. And he does this over and over. And we had this most amazing discussion, right? My background software and helping customers. And I asked him at one point, what are you most proud of? You've done this many times. What are you most proud of? He Mm. said, Chad, I've made a lot of the people that work for me millionaires. And I'm really, Mm. really proud of that, that I was able to help so many people. And the other interesting thing that stood out to me is he started his career working in a correctional facility, right? A prison as one of the, I don't know his official title, but one of the prison guards before he ever got into this software business. And I asked him, what did you learn out of that experience? He said, you learn how to read people because it's really important to know how to read people in that environment. And that's one of the skills I carry into building companies. I know how to read people, find the right person for the right role, get them motivated to do the job, and make things work. I thought that was a great connection. Wow. And to be able to think about just how he was showing up, just even in the the simplest sense of just the basic courtesies, if you will, of helping somebody with their laundry and that practice of serving the customer and how that translates to building software companies that help make people millions of dollars and just the character behind that and understanding it's all tied together with people and how you relate to people. Fascinating. Wow. Yep. You want one more? Yeah, let's go for one. <laughs> There's lots more I could. but So we are in, I think it's Oro Valley, Arizona, just near Tucson, one of the suburbs of Tucson. And had never really been to Tucson before. Beautiful area, really enjoyed it. And as I'm doing work along the way, right? So this isn't a, a year-long vacation with the family. I'm still doing all my normal work. So I need internet for that. And at times we park in places where there's not great internet and I would go to the local Starbucks or whatever I could find. And in Oro Valley, the closest thing was McDonald's. So I would go show up in McDonald's at 6 a.m. or so and, and do work for a little bit. And there was a guy there behind the counter who was welcoming people to McDonald's by name. Like, hey, George, good to see you again. And to a few handing out a newspaper because obviously he knew they liked to read the newspaper. Mm. And this was a very different experience. And we mm. had been on the road for more than half a year at this point and had visited. Our go-to was Chick-fil-A to eat because Chick-fil-A is very dependable. We like the experience. We like the food. It's all wonderful. And I got to talk, to, by the way, I got to talk to one of the innovation directors at Chick-fil-A, which was awesome as well. And then I would often end up at McDonald's for working at different places. It was either Starbucks or McDonald's. So I spent time in both. And <clears throat> I was getting ready to write a little article about how McDonald's is going to die and Chick-fil-A is, is going to kill everyone because <laughs> the experiences are so vastly different. Right. And that's what also stood out because this McDonald's was unlike any of my other experiences, having been to them in many states now. Mm. Here was a guy behind the counter that was creating a totally different more like a intimate coffee shop type experience, welcoming people by name when they came into the store in the morning, always smiling and talking to everyone. 
And it was just such a different level of customer service. And so, of course, I go talk to him and just make note of that, right? So again, it's just expressing curiosity. And a great way to approach anyone is start talking about them, right? And say, I notice you're doing this. And frankly, that's really kind of unique. Can you just tell me more about how you think about that, right? And so he shared his story and how his father was an owner operator and he's been with McDonald's for a while. And the customer service needs to be an essential part of it. And it was just such a different sort of experience. And again, kind of tying back to Bob at Tiffin Motorhomes, this guy is Mike Yance at McDonald's. And I think now he's back in Florida. I looked him up a little bit ago, still owning a McDonald's, some stores. But all about putting the attention on the customer and how do we make this a good experience for the customer. Mm. And that ties into the work I do so much, developing new products, because mm. often we're trying to create new value for our customer. That means we really have to understand the problem the customer has, how they think right. about the problem, what have they tried already, what are their other options available to them, and then come up with something new that delivers even more value to them and solves the problem in a very valuable fashion way. Mm -hmm. What I hear in all three of your stories, it's the common denominator theme is it's customer-centric, and the success of all three of these leaders and individuals is tied to how they treat mm -hmm. the customer. And what I hear as you're sharing this story is it has to be personal, just like the owner operator McDonald's. I mean, knowing somebody by name, how could you get more personal? I know. So in terms of the big idea of product innovation, as you described, we want to solve a big problem. We want to create value, but it has to start with just how are we personally coming alongside and solving the, you know, that, one, knowing the customer and then knowing what they need. And if we miss that, we miss something really key as we move forward mm -hmm. in terms of taking care of our customer, but also just the relationship that's tied to that. So it's a fantastic story that comes from a really unconventional way to do customer service on a road trip. So <laughs> <laughs> lots of lessons learned along the way. You bet. So, and there's something even in your story that I want to capture here. Just going back to even starting the podcast and getting something started. And I just maybe even make it as practical for our listeners is just you have three fascinating stories that had to start somewhere. How'd you even start those conversations? How do you kick something off in terms of getting below the surface of what looks like somebody just unloading somebody's trunk? Right. <laughs> Right. What are some tips to kick off conversations? Well, for me, I don't want to undervalue the influence of prayer because I was praying on this trip to have these really interesting discussions. Mm. But some of these were certainly purposeful. The Bob Tiffin one was arranged ahead of time and made that happen, right? But so many others were just coincidences, one might say, right? Running into these opportunities. Running into somebody. And it's really just part of the way I'm wired. I tend to be really observant about what's going on around me. And so, yeah. like, I saw the guy helping the woman with the laundry, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And so I tend to just be observant and naturally curious about what people are doing. And I love getting people's backstories, too, about how they got to where they are now, right? And what's important to them. And this translates to employees that might be working for us as well. Like, why do you like showing up to work here? Or, or what's getting in the way of that? And being curious about them and what's important to them. And I think that's even more significant now for the, you and I have a few years on us. We're still, I like to think as young men, but the millennial generation, the younger generation, they really want to be connected to something that is bigger than themselves. Yes, this is, this well is, said. Yeah, this has always been motivating. We know this from a long history of research and motivation, but it has really become dominant in millennial generation. 
And if they're not feeling like they're connected to something that has real meaning, something that is bigger than themselves, they're not going to be engaged. Hmm. And engagement is a huge problem. And having honest discussions with people about what is our bigger vision? Why does it really matter, right? The reason I care about product management so much, in a sense, this is really world peace. I know that sounds a bit grandiose. But when you're developing a product for people, adding value to people, you're also gathering value for yourself as an organization. Mm -hmm. And then that means you can impact the community around you, right? You get to employ more people and be a good community citizen. And that impacts the larger geography. And in time, it really makes economy stable. And Mm -hmm. developing good products that create value brings economic stability. And we need economic stability for the world to work right. The ripple effect of just product innovation that lands in that center lake that truly creates the ripple effect that's felt all the way out. And that's a wonderful illustration. I really like this, how you tie, especially younger folks, wanting to be tied to what I might say is a bigger story. Mm-hmm. And often we might judge a book by the cover, so to speak, with a person that we meet uh, because we're not perhaps willing to take a risk to know what the bigger story is behind somebody unloading the trunk or whatever the thing is. And what I hear in just this practice that you've modeled for us today is a, certainly a natural curiosity, but the ability to take time to observe what's happening here that perhaps is a, a differentiator, something that's unique about the way they're coming alongside to serve customers or engage with people. And, and I just wonder what keeps us from observing those things that perhaps opens the door to take things deeper? What keeps us from that today? Yeah, I think all of us are busy, right? Especially your audience of leaders. They have a lot of tasks on their mind that need to get done. And I'm very much task-oriented. And the big mistakes that I've made in my career are getting focused primarily on getting the task accomplished and not caring about the relationships that get impacted along the way. And making this assumption like, well, everyone obviously cares about getting the tasks accomplished. That's not necessarily where people start, right? And the relationship aspect matters. And I think we need to remember that to step back and take time for the relationship, because if we can get employee engagement up, we know we're going to perform at a higher level as an organization. And Mm -hmm. employment engagement just stinks. For many years, all the surveys tell us it's around a third, right? So a third of employees feel like they're engaged at work. So there's a lot of improvement we can do there. And I think leaders also need to really appreciate the power imbalance that they might not feel, but it's certainly there to employees. Mm -hmm. And maybe particularly less experienced millennials that are working Mm -hmm. with them. And they need to go out of their way to make it really clear that I do want to hear about you as a person. I'm curious about you and I want to hear your ideas. And they got to reiterate that frequently or they're just not going to have the opportunity to engage because people will see the power imbalance and Mm -hmm. feel like they can't really be open with the leader or there's risks involved in being open with the leader. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that risk is something that is just another one of those barriers as well. And I'd like to just come back to perhaps just the big picture of your podcast, some 250 episodes. Certainly, I can see how you could be inspired to launch into the podcast and just the fuel that it takes, (laughs) the energy that it takes to stay the course for all these months and years. Was there ever a time that you wanted to give up And perhaps during one of those moments where there was this decision you had to make, what helped you keep going again? 
Well, you know this well, too, as a podcaster, right? There, there's work involved here, and you can get people to help with some things. But I tend to set up the interviews myself and do the research and make this happen. Early on, someone told me, who, who I respect in the industry, and there's been a few podcasts for our group, right, for product managers. And he said, you know, it seems like the people that, that win in this space are just the ones that outlast everyone else, right? Through attrition, the other ones drop away. And I thought about that. I went, huh, I wonder how long I'll keep making it or not, right? That provided a little bit of competitive fuel, maybe, mm. itself. But more than anything, it does go back to the reason I keep doing it is I know I would miss the discussions personally if I stopped. Mm. Uh, I still am the kid in the candy store. I get to talk to amazing people that otherwise I would have difficult access to not doing this. And mm. then there's the other half of that, the other side of the coin, the yin-yang thing there that mm. – this wouldn't be going on just for myself. I wouldn't be able to sustain this if it was just me. But I know there's a lot of people now listening that occasionally write and talk about how this has helped them and how they use it as part of their group at work. And it's making a difference. And that really means a lot to me. And my fundamental mission, my professional mission is to help equip and inspire product managers. Mm. And this podcast now is my primary avenue for doing that. The teaching and training I do, and then this podcast. And there has been times where I thought about taking a break, and it just doesn't feel right. And then this last summer, we were taking a trip to Banff, Canada. So we still do the road trips. We don't do the year-long thing, but we try to get out for a month over the summer. And first time we drove into Canada, that was beautiful to see some of their national parks. And I knew it was going to be hard to keep this up with everything else that was going on at the time. So mm -hmm. I made the decision that I would be okay. And this was kind of just giving myself permission. I went back. We had just over 200 episodes at that point. So I went back to the first 100 and I pulled out my five favorite ones. They're all my favorites, of course, but I pulled out five that I know that would be really good for people to hear. And I just did flashback episodes for that time I was away. And part of that was just giving myself permission to do that, say, this would be okay to step away for a few weeks and probably offer still a lot of value to people because they probably, if they've been listening in the last few weeks, they probably haven't gone back to hear those. And so that was actually great. That worked out well. And yeah, I just keep doing it. Being reminded of that vision of what it does and also the fuel that has engaged you so long. I, just to use the metaphor, when I think of product innovation of what you've been helping to facilitate all these years and train around, it's the inspirational engine, if I could call it that. These conversations have really been the fuel to your engine that's now sparked hundreds, if not thousands of others in their product and innovations. And so when I Think about some of the things we've talked about here today, even around engagement and some of the things that inspire other people. Conversation truly fuels that as illustrated certainly by your three stories, which were a lot of fun on the road trip as well. So I find just the big picture idea of traveling the country for a year, <laughs> there was some sort of roadmap that helped get you from here to there. And you had an idea of mapping out your journey over the course of a year. And it seems like that might have some parallels to the product innovative roadmap, the journey of getting from here to there in terms of product launch. So maybe you can speak to that in terms of what is that product roadmap, just high level for it. I've never actually thought about it that way. And that's really interesting that you brought up that question. Our roadmap for our trip, the first part of it was really scripted. We knew where we were going to be at certain times and what the path was and what we were going to do. 
And along the way, probably after the first four months or so, we got a little bit more comfortable with the idea of, well, we know where we're going next in general. Let's just kind of play it by ear, see where we end up on what day and see where we can find to stay the night and provide a little more flexibility for what was going on around us, which was useful. The only time that would bite us in the butt would be around holidays because we often forgot that holidays were going on. And it's really impossible to find a place to camp on July 4th if you're not thinking ahead, right? But nonetheless, that was good. And as a metaphor for creating something new, this product management work. I haven't thought about tying it to that, but it's interesting that if you try to script things out too much, then you're going to miss opportunities for learning from your customer along the way. And you really don't want to be flexible and you want to stay engaged and you want to be able to turn right or left as you're going down the path with your customer to adapt to what they're doing. Because we got to remember, and we all, any organization, your leaders started as entrepreneurs in some sense, right? Any business starts as an entrepreneurial business. We see a need and we think we have a way of satisfying that need and we put those two things together. And so we kind of lose that spirit in organizations. But as we see that need to help our customer, we have to remember the customer is always changing as well, right? Their environment changes. And we have to adapt to that as we go along. So I like this metaphor that you brought up. I'll have to think about that more about how that fit the road trip. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's the big picture, whether you're creating a business plan or a product plan, whatever, it's having that roadmap. We're here, we're trying to get there and there's different paths as a way to get there. But along the way, we're learning things, we're running into people and ideas that we never even thought of before that certainly helps take shape and give scope to that. And so this conversation has just been a lot of fun and and fascinating. Just as a final idea, maybe for our listeners, there are some listeners here today, they've got something burning in the side of them. They've got that entrepreneurial idea. They've got a product they would dream about taking to market. And just like your conversation question, what's a first step? What's a great first step that they could take moving forward in terms of going from a private idea to potentially a public reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the first thing is the mistake too many people make, which is they keep it private. You can't. We see Apple, and there's all the secrecy around their next version of the product. Apple has billions of dollars in the bank and huge resources, and we're not Apple. The way that innovation happens, and there's been lots of good research on this, is all products, all ideas take shape over inner sections with other people, people giving their perspective on it and getting new ideas and getting information from other domains applied to it. And you have to get out and share your idea. And ideally, you're doing this with customers, right? This notion of you're getting out of the office or out of your home if you're a solopreneur, Mm -hmm. but get out in the real world and interact with your potential customers and get their actual feedback. The heartbreaking calls I get at times is when someone says, hey, I have this product, what do I do with it now? And they develop the whole thing in a vacuum, and they haven't done any validation. Validation just means we're interacting with our prospective customer. Are we actually solving a problem in a way that is meaningful to them that they will pay for, right? Compared to all the other options available to them, they'll say, oh, your option provides more value than those. I'll pay for yours, right? And some people end up developing that great idea they think they have all by themselves, and they never get it into the world. And then they go, I'm ready to launch this to my customers. What do I do now? probably it's not the right product, right? The very best people at this maybe get it right half of the time, right? Maybe, right? The very best people. you got to be talking to your customer and interacting and getting their ideas on what is actually viable to them and get that feedback in meaningful ways that you know you're on the right track. 
And being able to get that feedback, it sure helps having a personal connection with them, right? <laughs> like knowing their names and some of the fun things that you've observed about them. And when you have that connection with them personally, they're probably much more open to give you that feedback and maybe even hard feedback as you're creating that idea that you want to launch out mm-hmm. into the world in the So, boy, just a lot of practical steps. So just as we finish this out, how can our listeners get in touch with you, Chad? For anyone that wants to dive into more areas about innovation and how products, physical products and tangible services, how that becomes reality, the podcast is a great place to go. And I would really encourage your leaders. These are leaders of organizations, small groups, big groups. The reality is most of our leaders, they don't understand how products actually get made. And that's a big part of what organizations are about. So lots of good resources at theeverydayinnovator.com. That's my podcast. And that will give you a list of all the past episodes, but you can go there for the current information. You can listen to what's new, and you can also get the written summary, the show notes. So in a minute or two, you can read through any of the topics and just go, oh, that was interesting. And of course, if you listen to the podcasts, which we all hope you do, whatever podcast player you like, just search for The Everyday Innovator and you will find it. Fantastic. And we'll have that in our show notes here as well. And I hope our listeners will connect with you and take their next step to making their product a reality (laughs) and the ripple effect that comes that potentially will land in world peace, right? That's right. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up. I have this big picture of a ripple of of pebble going into water, spreading out on my wall over here to just remind me of this. Wow. Well, Thank you for just the time today, Chad. The stories were so fun. I love the road trip and the RV (laughs) stories of leadership and also some of your story of just taking some of these big ideas and helping facilitate the conversations with 250 innovators that have now reached all over the world. And so what a privilege to be able to spend time with you today. So thank you. Thank you so much, Russell. I was so glad to be here and be part of your audience. Thanks so much for listening again to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Had a great discussion with Russell. It was so kind of him to interview me for his podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing here the things that we talked about, some background on this podcast, along with some great tips and insights I've picked up interviewing people that haven't made it yet onto this podcast but was part of those interviews I did on the road traveling around, as well as those insights about talking with people, finding motivation, and what you need to do if you have a product idea before you do anything else. I hope you enjoyed it, and I also hope that you will check out the summary of the show notes. Those are at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 262. That is a great way of sharing this with anyone else. Also, another thing that you could do if you're finding value in this podcast We want others to find value also. And the easiest way to do that is most people go into iTunes or their other podcast place and they search for information about product management, if that's what they're interested in. That's how they find this podcast. If you would go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, that would be so helpful. That just makes it easier for other people to find it because that influences the algorithm and, and how it shows up in the search results. Really appreciate you doing that. And as always, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.